Welcome to the new episode of Quarter Quest, Comics on the Cheap. Can I ask you a question before we begin? Have you ever wanted to have your own podcast? If so, we'd like to recommend Podbean. We've been using it for the last three years, and we love it. It's easy to use, and the customer support is amazing. Just go to podbean.com and enter the code HAUNTEDLOG at checkout and get your first month of podcasting for free. That's podbean.com, Haunted Log. Now, on to the show. Welcome to the new issue of It's Too Wordy, the comic book podcast, where three buddies, well, two of us, get together and talk comics from their childhood and today. Tonight, I am joined by... Ryan. And we are going to talk about... Rom, Dire Wraiths number one from IDW, and Batman Meets the Hulk. So, let's talk about Rom. This is not what I was expecting. No? I was expecting the robot. And, yeah? Or the, the... Whatever Rom is. Yeah. And I kept on turning the pages, I'm like, where the hell's Rom? And then I'm like, oh, no, this is about his bad guys. Okay. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so the storyline is, I think it's 1968. Yeah. And we're it's the first mission to the moon. And Oh, 69. 69. The Apollo mission wasn't the first principle to get to the moon. There was a secret project by the government or the world governments to have a peacekeeping group put up there before that. So the cover is that we're going up as the Apollo mission. Yep. And they land, and the Diorites are there, because they did something stupid, which they always do. And they kill the Galadorian, or what they're called now, the Elonians, which are the Space Knights. And they killed one, and they didn't get enough power from him, and now they're stuck there. So with these Diorites, I noticed that there's some red and some blue. Is that a hierarchy? Or is it their sexes? or They were originally kind of gray. Okay. And that's in the old Marvel book. In the now... I'm not quite sure, because I haven't read the new ROM book. I mean, I bought them, but I haven't read them. I couldn't stand it. Yeah, I I liked the when they re-released it in IDW. I got really excited about it. But they went like four issues, and then they're like, oh, guess what? He's going to join up with the Transformers now. Mm-hmm. And, oh, here's Mask, because they're a part of the Transformers. And, well, we're doing all these other toy lines. So let's go ahead and add G.I. Joe in there. And it became this big cluster. Yep. And you lose sight of what... ROM actually is. Yep. And so I never got a good grasp on ROM to begin with. I mean, the the first four issues weren't that great. I mean, they were okay. They didn't have that magic like the old 70s Marvel one did. See me going into it, never reading any of the 70s stuff. I'm like, hey, this is a new character to me. This isn't bad. Because, I mean, I've read plenty of other stuff where it's a new character to me. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is crap. And then you guys tell me, oh, this is actually really good if you read The early stuff. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. (laughs) It just seemed like they took the human element out of it. When, in the Marvel books, he came down into a small town and he had to hide. Mm -hmm. So try to imagine like a seven foot tall robot, gleaming chrome, trying to hide from just town folks. (laughs) And hunt dire rays that look like humans. Okay. And he gets accused of being a murderer, right? So he's going out and people don't see the dire wraith when he, he doesn't really kill them. He puts them into a different universe or a different dimension, but people don't see that. All they see is him pulling out a giant gun and mm-hmm. leaving a husk behind. Right. So they're all like, he's a murderer. And then it kind of like lost that when IDW took over. And then it became more of a space opera and kind of, but to be fair, the, I mean, outside of guardians of the galaxy, there's not a lot of space opera. anymore. I mean, I guess the new Green Lantern by... Grant Morrison. Yes, yes. Morrison. It has that feel to it, but it's not your standard Green Lantern either. Mm-hmm. Where you don't see a lot of space opera type stuff anymore. It's always... You have all these superheroes that can do so much in space, but they're always based on Earth, Earth. or the moon. Yeah. You know, you're not seeing them going to other parts of the galaxy and battling anything. Right. And I think, you know... So I was okay with that end of things, mm-hmm. where it is more of a space opera type thing and you're seeing more of everything he's trying to protect opposed to this tiny town right you know (laughs) right and that's kind of the the weirdest part about that book was here's this guy that can travel the universe and he's protecting like two humans (laughs) just like okay so it it's a goofy story but it's worth reading yeah but yeah i i really like this 
it was funny. It was weird. It it had so many Star Trek references, like mm-hmm. the color of their uniforms. I caught that. Yeah, there was a red, a uh, red shirt, yellow shirt, green shirt, and a blue shirt. Yep. I was like, oh, okay, so we're doing a Star Trek ref here. <laughs> well, I like how they had the the one gal. She's like the overly paranoid one. That's like, I'm bringing weapons out. Yep. <laughs> Everybody else is like, no, nah, we don't need weapons. Really? Yeah. <laughs> She's like, no, I've hunted monsters before, and I've seen one. And they're like, yeah, you never showed us proof, so we're not going to believe you. So leave your guns here. <laughs> and they actually talk her into leaving one behind. Yeah. Which was a huge mistake. But, you know, and they actually did a backup story on this, too, where Rom does show up. And I thought that one was actually fairly interesting. And there's apparently a space bear. There's a space bear. <laughs> I had to reread that page several times. I'm like, huh? Yeah. <laughs> is that a new sidekick? Or I is it- have not seen him before. Okay, okay. But uh, they kind of leave you hanging on that one, too, because it mm-hmm. looks like Rom got destroyed. That's so. the other Elonian that was there. That's the one that they... Killed, that got him killed. on the moon. Yep. Oh, okay, let's see. Yep. That's why we talk these things out. Yeah. So <laughs> he looks almost exactly like, but Rom has a rounder head. Okay. Now, before he had a square head or a rectangle head. And now he's got a rounder one, but... I actually dug this. I thought this was pretty decent. It was pretty good. Once I understood that Rom was not the primary person in this i just thought you know because they come out with so many books where it's like batman village of the damned or something and but it's a batman book it's not he's just in the village of the damned or whatever right you know and that's kind of why i was thought this was going to be so by the time i got halfway through i all of a sudden started registering oh this is about the bad guys okay now we got now i'm understanding this a little bit better yeah and the diorates have a sense of humor to them right like they try to attack people in the moon's gravity and they just can't quite get it down. Like, they're stretching, and they're just like, oh, well, let me just do this from up close. <laughs> and and it just, it's it's got a little bit of humor to it. And I liked it. It was pretty good. My biggest problem with it was, I don't know if this is a four ninety nine book. Right. three ninety nine. I feel like I could be okay with it on a regular basis. But I'm also very much aware that everything's kind of bumping in price. I mean, I miss the days of 75 cents a buck, you know. Going with 20 bucks, you come out with 20 books. Yeah. yeah. Now it's, you know, you're not getting as many books because most things are four ninety nine, five ninety nine, or some ungodly amount of nine ninety nine that they still keep getting me to buy. <laughs> but. <laughs> right. But I, you know, for me, I think this is definitely a four, not knowing anything about it and going into it like that. But yeah, it's definitely a four. All right, so next up. Okay, did I want to know, did you find the Easter egg that was on this? No. Okay, so we read this from Crossover Classics, Marvel DC Collection, Volume 1. And the page for this is page 178. However, they do an intro that lasts three pages, and it starts on page 181 on an Incredible Hulk story. Okay. I don't know if it was intentional or not, but I'm like, you're kidding. Did you have Len Wein write that opening just so you could put it on 181? You got to figure with the space. I mean, because the other things that were in this, we got Spider-Man versus, or Superman versus the Amazing Spider-Man, Superman and Spider-Man, the Batman versus Incredible Hulk, Uncanny X-Men meets the new, and the new Teen Titans. So you have a number of books in there. You got four books and to space it just right to get this to end up and I think this one came out, so I think Superman vs. Spider-Man was one of the first ones. I think this one came out right after that, mm-hmm. and then it's the Superman and Spider-Man, and they paged it just right to make this happen. That's really weird. So <laughs> It's really weird. If it's not, then it's a good coincidence. Yeah. So those that don't know, 181 is supposedly the very first appearance of Wolverine. Some people will argue it's 180. Some people argue it's actually a ad in Daredevil that shows a snippet of him in the ad. Mm. So, but 181 seems to be the full full appearance of Wolverine and is one of the most popular ex- or, uh, Incredible Hulk books uh, ever. So, this is written by Len Wein and it's got art by Jose, Jose Luis, Luis Garcia, Garcia Lopez. Lopez. Yeah. And his artwork is beautiful. It is so oh, gorgeous. God, like... I just wish people could draw like him now. Like, everybody was like, oh, Todd McFarlane draws amazing. I'm going to start drawing like Todd McFarlane. And then, ever since Todd McFarlane, everybody draws the same way. Yeah. But his artwork, his Batman and his Hulk and his Joker and, God, just, I opened the page, like, the first 
couple pages of this book and I was just like, this was comics. This, this was the comics that I grew up reading. Mm-hmm. The, the look, the coloring, the artwork and the story was, this is, this is what I, I can't say more than this is a freaking five. Like this is just a gorgeous book. Oh, it's, and yeah, it's great. God. I love its bright colors. It's like back in the eighties before Batman went all dark. Mm-hmm. He's got the blue cape and the gray outfit, and Hulk's got the bright purple pants, and the Joker's in his purple suit that he's was known for before Jay, or Jared Leto yeah. messed it all up. And <laughs> right, but one of the good things is there's when you're looking at this book, and they have in the first page before this, they have the like the multi different like the different kinds of covers that he had to draw. Like mm-hmm. they're like, well, Hulk looks weird. Right, redraw this. Batman, where, what is he doing? Is he flying? Is he coming through on a rope? What is he doing? Redraw this. And then he went through four of them. Like, Hulk's leg still looks weird. Redraw it. <laughs> like, he redid the cover like four times. And the final one was just like, bingo. You know? And it, it's a, God, the cover is just great. I mean, Hulk looks amazing, like, super pissed. But yeah, it's just like, I can't say enough about this book. Like, yeah. yeah. So it's funny. So Sophie's upstairs watching Batman versus the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles right now. And that Batman showed up with the gray suit and the blue cowl. And she was like, that's the perfect Batman. Wow. I'm like, that's my kid. Yeah. <laughs> no, because, I mean, that is the Batman a lot of us grew up on. You know, now everybody sees the Michael Keaton Batman. And that's kind of where it turned dark. Mm-hmm. and shadowy and everything. And I miss this mm-hmm. because this is what was on the Super Friends. Right. This is, you know, even the 66 Batman looks goofy compared to this. And, I mean, it had the same kind of idea of it, right. but it still didn't quite fit. This is the Batman that I grew up with that I really just enjoyed mm-hmm. um, because he was a true detective. He wasn't, what was it, Moon Knight said that I wear white, so people can fear me coming and see right. me coming. I don't hide in the shadows. Yeah. yeah. And that's what Batman should be, is he's supposed to be protecting Gotham, not hiding in the shadows, waiting for something to go wrong, and then taking him out. Right. He should be facing him head on, let him be seen. Yep. So, you know, and that's kind of why I like this one, because I remember the characters being so vibrant. Mm-hmm. And they did a great job of getting the characters correct and how right. the Joker plays off of everything. Yep. And Batman figures out that he needs to calm the Hulk down. I'm not entirely sure how he knows who the Hulk is. Oh, he's got a whole file of them in the Batcave. That was what he said. Which doesn't make a lot of sense since it's crossing over two universes. But, you know, Hulk's going on a rampage and the Joker step speaks up first and yep. convinces the Hulk that, hey, I'm your friend. We both have green. I got green hair. You, you're green. Mm-hmm. We're friends. Yeah. <laughs> Help me carry this gamma ray out of here. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and you know this is the 80s because his name is Dr. David Bruce Banner. Right, right. And they constantly bring up David Bruce Banner. And that throws me off every single time because you get so used to hearing Bruce Banner. Mm-hmm. And even MCU, Bruce Banner, you know, uh, outside of that first Hulk movie. This is just a gorgeous book. I think it's fairly pricey uh, as far as like finding a single issue of it. But uh, if you can find it in this crossover classics, it's definitely worth picking up. And Batman figures it out. I mean, Hulk's like, oh, I can hold my air. Batman tries to gas him. I can, you know, I'll be fine. I don't have to breathe or whatever. And he takes a deep breath of air. And Batman's like, oh, crap. So he kicks him in the gut and makes him have to take a breath of air. And Batman's puzzle solving, you know. Yeah, if you want to get a first edition of that, it's like $230. Wow. So, yeah, go out and buy that. Even though there's some weird printing in there, like maybe they didn't have the original page for this. Maybe mm-hmm. they didn't have, so they copied it out of a book. Yeah. You can see it, but it's, it is still amazing. And as a Marvel fan, I never realized how big Shaper of the Worlds is. Oh, yeah. I never realized he was that big. And he scares the crap out of the Joker. Yeah. That's the best part. Is like You wouldn't think Joker would be scared of anything. And Joker's like... Um, yeah, I'm just going to do whatever he wants so I can get my thing and then Mm -hmm. we'll call it good. Yep. And some of the best parts of this is Joker gets his way at the end. And so anything he thinks of happens Mm -hmm. and the Hulk turns into a clown. 
Yep. And <laughs> you never picture the Hulk looking like a clown. Batman ends up uh, hiring Banner to help rebuild the Gamma Ray. And Banner's like, hey, you know, what about my anger issues? And he's like, oh, we got a way around that. So he just assigns Alfred to kind of like give him anything he wants. Yep. <laughs> Here, have some tea. You should, you should like sit down. Like he's just telling him like to relax the whole time. <laughs> Calm down. This is just fantastic. I can't speak enough of these crossover classics. They did a great job of putting these books together. There's four of them out there and they go by kind of, uh, when they were released. So like this volume one is the early stuff of the crossover classics. And then volume two is a little bit longer in and three and four and, so forth and so on. And uh, it's just, it makes you wish DC and Marvel would just get their heads out of their butts and try to do something like this again. Mm-hmm. Because Am- Amalgam's the last one that I got it right this time. Yep. Um, <laughs> A-word. <laughs> was the last time they did anything. Like, well, I, no, I guess Justice League Avengers was right after that, not too long. But they had been working on that one for ages. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, that was really the last time any of this happened. And they have so many characters they could do something like this with and just make it a lot more entertaining and appreciative towards the fans of these characters. Hey, check this out. Right. Yeah. I really wish they would start up at those again because those are really fun. Oh, yeah. I mean, we're, let's see. Amalgam was in 96. I would love to see like a 30 year. Yeah. 25 ah. year or something like that. Yeah. I can't believe that that was that long ago. Yeah. Yeah. So we're past 26. Yeah. So do like a 25-year type deal mm-hmm. again, you know. Mesh them. What happened to Axel? Why did, right. the, you know, go back to that if nothing else, you know. But these are just gorgeous books. They have to be checked out. And I'm always a big fan of seeing the characters crossover that you would not expect. You wouldn't expect a Batman Hulk. No. You could see a Spider-Man, Superman, okay, you know, and some of those other characters meeting, but a Batman Hulk? Right. Completely... Different sides of the spectrum. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But no, I just, this makes me like really long for the days of the thought balloons because now, okay, here's Bruce Banner and he's talking to Alfred and they're just having a normal conversation. You don't hear inside the inner monologue yeah. of Alfred's brain saying, well, I'm scared to death of you <laughs> and I hope to God that this works. You know? <laughs> right. You don't hear that anymore. You don't hear Spider-Man running down or swing down the, the street, you just see him. You yeah. don't hear the inner turmoil of, you know, like, oh, God, Aunt May's in the hospital again, or Mary Jane is banging Flash Thompson. You don't hear the turmoil anymore. Right. I mean, that was the whole point of, like, Spider-Man and the Marvel, was the, the turmoil of the characters, and you never hear it. You never read about it. You you get the action. You get, oh, he got beat up. Okay, where's the inside? Where Where's the voice? Yeah. I I'm all for that. In a limited sense, because right. I've read some books where it's just one gigantic thought balloon throughout everything. It's like, please give me some interaction with somebody else, please. You know, but, you know, Spider-Man swinging down the street. Okay, yeah, let him have that thought bubble of, I'm concerned about this. Oh, snap, there's something going on over here. I got to go take care of that. Right. You know, something like that. It doesn't have to be just that inner monologue throughout the whole, the time. whole, whole time. Like, I wonder where the Spidey bu- spider buggy is. Yeah. No, you don't have to. We don't have to worry about that. If that's not part of the story, just don't put it in there. But and that's why I got so excited about like a book like GI Joe Twenty One, where it was a silent issue, mm-hmm. nothing was said. So you let the pages do all the talking to you, and that was that book has always resonated with me. And Marvel tried to do something like that with all the enough saids back in the early two thousands, late nineties, somewhere in there, and they never captured that magic because it was a mistake. Yeah. And so they had this whole story written out, and they just didn't print the balloons. And it was like, that's what made it so great, was it was all fleshed out. There was a story already there. They didn't have to worry about, okay, so we have to do this so people understand what they're doing. Yeah. There was a story already written, and it was already drawn out. You just didn't need the, you didn't need the words for that one. Yeah. And which was great, because it was just snake eyes. Yeah, you didn't even need thought balloons. because no. you know, And that's one character that they, I don't recall him doing a lot of thought balloons. And you'd think that they would, that'd be the one way you get to know him a little bit. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, no. They've just, he's always just been. Like, hand motions and. Yeah. Maybe we should do that one of these times. Oh, that'd be fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> Try to get a quote off of that one. Right. All right. <laughs> the most, I can't even remember what it says on the cover of it. Does. So something like the most offbeat adventure, something like that. Yeah. Something similar to that. Because yeah. they, they know they screwed up, but they had to put it out anyway. <laughs> All right. So, that's five. I, yeah. I give it a five. Yeah. 
I know we were discussing why we wanted it or why Batman Hulk instead of some other ones, but that's I've read all these repeatedly. I read them probably once a year, and just because I enjoy them so much, and that's the one that's always just kind of stood out, and it's because of that art, and they mm-hmm. got the characters right. Right. So yeah, yeah definitely. Let's see what's next. The D list character. So, so we're, I gotta, I gotta make like bumpers. I gotta make bumpers, <laughs> man. Just all right. So now for the D list. Well, with the D list, we had there's a slight problem with that because you had characters like Batman and Hulk, whose history is just too in depth. Mm-hmm. You can't even do Pennyworth. You know, I looked up the book, and they're like, "Oh, these are the characters that appeared." Well, some of them were, this was their only appearance, and then they died or whatever. So it was just a quick blurb. I'm like, that's not going to be worth anything. So I went over to Rom. And I'm like, this isn't any better. So I did find something. A character named Torpedo (laughs) that was a partnership, in a partnership with Rom. Um, Actually, there's five versions of Torpedo, but I only covered the one that, was involved with Rom. So, Torpedo's actual first appearance, the original Torpedo, was Daredevil 126. He was a villain for Daredevil. I mean, he was created by Marv Wolfman and John Romita Sr. But the character we're going to actually be talking about is Brock Jones. So, he was given the suit, and he briefly aided super the super team of the Defenders and reappears in the t- town of Claritin as an ally for Rom. It's revealed that the alien Diarathes instigated the creation of the battle suit with intent to use it against Rom. So, Torpedo acted as a guardian for the town of Clarington while Rom was in absent chasing down the Diarathes. After Rom returned, thinking the race had threat had ended, Jones retires, but is murdered by a group of newly arrived Wraiths and that they were using sorcery. So, it was one of the few characters I could find that there was a connection to Rom. And this, that is the whole point of the D-list, is kind of come up with these characters that they're around for a little bit, and you want to know a little bit more about. Do you have anything else to add? Because, I mean, you are the ROM fanatic. I had, like, um, some Marvel premieres, I think. That's what he appeared in for a little bit. And he was just one of my favorites. Like, he had, like, these giant jet boosters on his arms and legs, and, like, a Rocketeer helmet. Oh, cool. And he Like, a blue suit, and, he, like, he was always one of my favorites. Like, the look of him, and... Then when I was reading Ram, and I was like, oh my god, he's in here too. (laughs) And then he dies mercilessly. Just mercilessly. Like, they suck his brain out. Oh. And it's just like, oh. (laughs) Like, uh. And then Marvel's tried multiple times. Like you said, there's five versions of him. Mm -hmm. They just cannot get it right. The best part about it was when when Ram would left the Earth to go look for the wraiths. And he left Torpedo there by himself. Ram could see the wraiths. Torpedo is just a normal dude. <laughs> he didn't give him like any technology to see them. Right. So he had to be there and like investigate everybody. You know, they didn't really put it in the book, but you know, he had to investigate everybody. Like he had to play the part of a detective to right. determine who's. Yeah. Like he had to know everybody and then like catch them off, you know, like, Oh, you actually live at one, three, four, five, seven, not one, three, four, five, six. You're a wraith. like, <laughs> See, when you're describing them like that, I picture um, the first men in black, where Will Smith's trying to figure out who all the aliens are, and the other guy, I can't blank on his name, but he's like, oh, yeah, this guy's an alien, this guy's an alien, you know, and I'm picturing him doing the same thing, and Will Smith had to do is try to figure out who are aliens, who aren't, and things like that. Right. He's a total 70s looking character. Oh, he is. But he had the open head helmet. Before Star-Lord did. <laughs> so yeah, that's how they got to his brain. Always wow. wear a full head helmet. Alright, so let's move on to what's going on at the shop. So I heard a few months ago we were talking about the Omaha collection. Apparently one guy came in and bought all of it. What? Yeah, like a week later. Okay. So. Wow. Yeah. Uh, overheard it when I stopped in the other day and I'm like, wait, they sold all that? Yeah, the one guy. And I'm like, wow, that's that. Well, that's great though, because I mean that mm-hmm. you're not divvying it out. The owner of the collection got what he wanted, which was fantastic, and the guy got an amazing collection of books. Yeah, he did. I mean, yeah, he did. Avengers, early Avengers, early X Men, early uh, Hulk, Journey into Mystery, first appearance of Thor. I mean, it's just 
I was amazed that somebody did that. They also just bought a bunch of carded Star Wars figures, which was kind of cool to go in and check out. And uh, they're fairly reasonable. I mean, they're reasonably priced. Some of the characters I was looking at, getting kind of excited about, oh, maybe this is my chance to get a speeder bike guy. And all of a sudden you realize that guy's worth 200 bucks in the package. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> they got some great stuff. And so they're selling those now. And I know they got some new G.I. Joe ships in stuff like that that they're putting together. They were, da- they were just down in Albuquerque. So I'm sure he's going to be coming back up with a bunch of more fun stuff to uh, put on the shelves and uh, fill up. Now is everybody's favorite time. It's the Random Reads. That was a really weak. <laughs> After all the build-up, Kirk's given it over how many year, or months, and then random reads. <laughs> you want me it's to do right. it? No, you're all right. You want me to do you're it? Right. <laughs> I just had to give you crap about it. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, we're going to put bumpers in here. All right. Uh, you want me to go first? Sure. That's okay. fine. So, <clears throat> when I was much younger, a book came out by Defiant Comics called Warriors of Plasma. This was my first time going into anything besides a Marvel or a DC book, or even Image. Image was still fairly new, popular, all those books were going pretty good. This is, you know, never really got into Dark Horse. I'm like, ooh, number one, Defiant. Okay, well, let's check it out. It looks cool. And I just tracked down the final three issues. I ran 13 issues. I got have them all now, so I'm planning on retiring soon. I'm just kidding. Mm -hmm. So Warriors of Plasma is about an alien race that, because they couldn't talk about blood, they're drinking people's blood is basically what it boils down to. And this overlord character is um, trying to kind of sabotage his group he's with. And so he's been kind of kidnapping people and these bubbles will show up on their planet and they'll... What appear, it looks like it's just Earth for right now. I don't know if there's other planets that's de- dealing with it. But uh, he's trying to bring in these pe- characters, or these uh, people. And so, on one page, this woman's talking to her husband, and he's like, oh, hey, look, there's like this spiderweb thing. He touches it, and poof, he's gone. And all but five people end up dying. So, we have an older lady, we got a young gal, we've got a preacher... We've got a military person, and then we got basically a couch potato character. And they've all developed superpowers from this slime stuff. And they're still trying to figure out what's going on. Uh, the military guy takes over and kind of inter- goes, okay, we don't know where we're all at. Introduce yourselves real quick. And all of a sudden, this battle starts. And each of them are finding out that like the younger gal can control minds. And this preacher controls light. So he calls this light to him and blows up this whole room. And But there's got to be a light substance around for him to absorb it too. So at one point he's like, I wish there was more light in this room so he could do something with it. There is no training. They're figuring this out as they're going. And so this overlord guy, his boss, is yelling at him and saying, I know you're up to something. You need to, you know... We need to take care of this. I'm going to find out how you're trying to overthrow us. And you come to find out that the Overlord's fiance was killed by this guy. And so he that's why he's all irritated with him and wants to just take over. But uh, that was just the first issue. I mean, I've, heard, I've read a lot of reviews where everybody says this book went to crap. But reading this as a... Remembering reading it when I was younger and then reading it again, it still has some sentimental value to me and it may not be a fantastic story, but I'm still enjoying the heck out of this. Who did it? Cause it um, looks very familiar. It looks like a Jim shooter wrote it and I was going to say it looks like a valiant book. Yeah. An early nineties valiant book. Let's see. Lapham did the cover. Oh, Lapham, David Lapham drew, drew it. Yeah. So it's so, early valiant. Yeah. Yeah. This isn't worth anything. Uh, those three books that I found that I needed to finish off my collection the guy had pity on me. He's like, here, you can just have them. If you find it, pick it up. If you can get it for cheap and just check it out because it's a lot of fun. So the other book I got is uh, Flash number 53 uh, from, I think it's the second series, 90s. The Wally West. <clears throat> Wally West, yeah. And uh, on the cover, it's got 
Superman on it. And it says, it's a race against time with Jimmy Olsen's life at stake. So <clears throat> I bought this a long time ago. I was always big into the Flash versus Superman races. I mm-hmm. always thought those were fun. They actually even came out with a trade of them, and I picked it up. So that's what I was expecting. I'd never read this. I just grabbed it and read it today, or the, the other day. Talking about false advertising. It's not a race between these two at all. <laughs> but um, Superman, uh, actually it starts off where Wally is talking to the Pied Piper who had just turned good. And this is the issue that Pied Piper came out and said he was gay. Oh. And I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool. I knew he was gay. I just didn't realize I had this issue. And Wally's like, oh, I've got a meeting with somebody I got to take off for. So the Pied Piper said, yeah, I'm, I'm gay. And he's like, I've got a meeting. I got to go. He's like, Hopefully he didn't notice that I was extremely awkward about this. <laughs> I'm like, and Pied Piper's like got that look on his face, like, uh, yeah, I know what's going on. But Wally ends up meeting with the flat or Superman, and Superman's like, somebody has kidnapped Jimmy Olsen, and he was doing a checking into something, re- doing a report on somebody, and went into his house, and the guy was there, and he took him. And so Jimmy Page Superman, like he can, and the guy goes, you need to bring me this leader from this foreign country immediately, or I'm going to kill Wally, and then, dis- or uh, kill Jimmy, excuse me, and just disappears. So Superman meets up with Wally and sends Wally as the Flash to this country to find out some details, while Superman's doing some research on his side. So Wally ends up going to this country, and he finds out that the dictator that supposedly is dead is actually on this island prison island and so you see wally running across the water to get there and he's getting you know sharks are attacking and they have electrified nets things like luckily i stood above the water otherwise i would have gotten it and they dove into the water and there's mines everywhere and he's like wow people they just don't want people on this island at all um <laughs> so he gets in there and he finds the dictator and he grabs them and takes off. And they get back to the U.S. And <clears throat> Superman's coming in and confronting the guy. And he's like, the dictator's coming. Just a second, Flash shows up with him. Well, all of a sudden, and this threw me off. I had to read it twice. But uh, all of a sudden, Flash has grabbed the Jimmy and got him out of the way. Superman takes out the bad guy. And there's a guy running around dressed as the Flash. He's like, what? the heck and wally showed up with the dictator showed the dictator to the bad guy ran the dictator out to the main street real quick switched uniforms with the pied piper pied piper was dressed as the flash so flash was or pied piper was standing there and wally was able to sneak up and grab jimmy and superman's like yeah i had no idea what was going on until i used my x-ray vision and saw that it was not you under the mask and so superman they got to meet the pied piper this was a fun story is a one shot out if you get past the disappointment of the not being a race again. And Wally even makes that comment. He's like, What are we doing another race for charity or something? And Superman's like, No, we're, I really need your help this time. It was really good. It was fun. It's by Lesnar and Loeb's, or excuse me, Mesner and Loeb's. It's not a very expensive book. Again, if you can find it fairly cheap for a one shot, it's a lot of fun. So that's Flash number 53. Flash number 53. This is the series that got where Wally's villains got uh, really, Rogue's Gallery got really popular because around issue 200, Jeff Johns took over writing and made the Rogue's Gallery have like rules to them and become very popular. And I forget how much I enjoy reading The Flash because even the new Flash is just not great. But this this 90s run was just incredible and i've enjoyed every issue i've read of that flash run nice that's what i got cool well i have one like i said i'm running out of time um, my time is getting to be extremely limited but i found gross point number two from dc <laughs> from 97 <laughs> so this is kind of a goofy horror comedy Right, these this family moves to this weird town, so it's kind of like eerie Indiana. Okay, all right, right. yeah. And just weird crap happens. So this is probably about the same time that well, eerie Indiana was on on the TV like in ninety. Mm-hmm. So this is this is about seven years later, kind of like Maniac Mansion, you know, kind of about that same vein. Right. There's so many misprints in this book. 
Like, I was like, is this intentional? Is it because it's supposed to be like a 25 issue, 25 page issue, and the story's only like 12, 12 pages long? Because, let me just tell you. So, when you're reading it, pages one through five are there, and then it goes back to the beginning. Here's the beginning, and then it goes five more pages, and then it starts over. Same story. Same story. It printed in here twice. And so I'm going to have to track down another copy of this. Just to check. Yes, because it's it's right up my alley. It's weird and it's goofy. There's a, a monkey who's a bellhop at a hotel who just points and makes weird hand gestures. And the little girl understands him because she watched Lassie. Right? <laughs> and he's trying to make a birthday for a two-headed lady who lives in town. Right, and she's like, "Okay, go go find her, the friend, her friends, her family, and bring them together. Go get some sweets and bring them in, and we'll we'll have a birthday party for her real quick." And it turns out that the monkey goes and he's like to the house. She, he's like, "Can't find any pictures of any of her friends," so he digs up all the bodies of her deceased family <laughs> and puts them in there, and then, um. And they're like, okay, go get some cakes and some sweets, right? So he can't find any cake. So he goes to urinals and grabs the urinal cakes and puts them in like a little like <laughs> thing. And so they're talking to the old lady and one of her heads, it's her birthday, but it's not the other head. <laughs> and they're like, no, um, I was born two days later. What? And they're, they're super mad at their mom for it. And it's just like, what is going on with this book? I love it. So if you can go out, find it. It's it's really funny. Um, this is by. See if I can find it. It in here. looks like it's actually fourteen. Is it fourteen? Um, yeah, there's even a zero issue Ashcana version. But yeah, it's fourteen issues. I'm gonna have to track that down. That's fantastic. That that sounds amazing. It sounds like it's right up my alley. <laughs> and for the life of me, I can't figure out who wrote it, who drew it, because this book is so scattered. It's drawn like a cartoon. Like a total 90s cartoon. But yeah, I mean, if you can find an, an issue that's not totally messed up like this one, um, go out and find it. Because it's... Uh, let's see, hold on a second. Uh, it doesn't say for gro- uh, point, uh, two, but issue one was done by Mark Wade and Roger Langrand. Langridge? Yeah, sorry. Roger Langridge. So Mark Wade and Roger Langridge. Yeah, so definitely go pick this out. Because it is great. <laughs> All right, so now it's time for our top ten list. What's the top ten list this week? Top ten time travelers. Just in comics and not TV shows, right? Right. Okay. So can they be comic books based on television shows? Let's say no. Okay. Because I saw a lot of online. I was looking them up online. Mm -hmm. And they were like, well, you guys forgot about Doctor Who. See, and I thought about him. Like or her back and forth. I was back and forth. I'm like, well, there's a comic, but it came out after. Right. Marty McFly, Doc yeah. Brown. Yeah. Bill and Ted. Yeah. Those are different Based media off of them. that came into comics. Right. So that, that took my list down. Yeah. You want to go first? Sure. All right. Number 10, Wave Rider. Number nine, Deathlock. Number eight, Spider-Man 2099. Number seven, Zacheat, the entire Legion of Superheroes. <laughs> Number six, Kronos. Number five, the original Guardians of the Galaxy, because they would always travel from the 30th century yeah. to hang out with the Avengers. Number four, Booster Gold. Number three, Cable. Number two, all the Flashes. That's a cheat, too. And number one, Kang, Immortus, Ramatut. And Iron Lad. Wow. I kind of forgot about the, the King versions. Um, I went 10 Wave Rider, 9 Bishop, 8 Deathlock, 7 Rip Hunter, 6 Green Lantern, 5 Cable, 4 Spider-Man 2099, 3 Dr. Manhattan, 2 The Flash, and 1 Booster Gold. When I think time travel, I always think Booster Gold. So, Which is funny, because I... I haven't written or read a lot of Rip Hunter stuff, uh-huh. and I never realized that he's the son of Booster Gold. Mm-hmm. That is crazy. Yeah, like I, I just never put those two together. 
Um, I can't remember what series it was in, but I, I remember reading that. Um, it might have been Jeff Johns' run uh, where they did that, but uh, he was always a good foil for Booster yeah. in that second series. You know, seems like Booster always needs that foil in his rip where it was Blue Beetle. Mm-hmm. And, or his yeah. sister. Yeah. 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 And I never realized how much I actually liked Blue Beetle. Well, not Blue Beetle, but Booster Gold. Yeah. Because for me, he was always the sidekick mm-hmm. of Blue Beetle. And then after Beetle dies, and Booster has to do it all on his own. Oh, yeah. And it's, I think he's a lot better without Blue Beetle. I love the team-ups of Booster and Blue Beetle. But truthfully, where I really felt that Booster developed was when he went into his own series. Mm-hmm. The 80 series is great. But I think Jeff Johns captured him the best with his run um, in the 2000s. Yeah. Cool. All right. So, got anything? Well, you're talking about Gross Point, and it popped into my head. So, my son has somehow figured out that Gravity Falls is a really cool show, and I had never seen it. It's great, mm-hmm. isn't it? I love it. Mm-hmm. We have Disney Plus now, and we're watching through them, and he's like, oh, I'm going to watch the next episode. I'm like, no, you're not. Not until I can sit down and watch it with you because this is awesome. And Disney Plus froze up on us on one episode or whatever. I'm like, well, let's just skip it and go to the next episode and we'll come back and watch that one. He's like, oh, no, no, no. You can't do that because there's pieces in every episode that leads to the next episode. I'm like, oh, I haven't been paying attention. <laughs> I haven't been paying attention to that part. This show is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've always been a huge fan of Animaniacs. I've always liked Phineas and Ferb because they always did the like pop culture references and stuff like that. And they always had these stupid little songs that get stuck in your head. And you enjoy those immensely. And now Gravity Falls is working its way into that rotation as well. Because mm-hmm. it's just so enjoyable yep. and fun. So shout out to my son for showing me something new. Yeah, good job. Finish, finish Mandalorian. Wow. Yeah. That was amazing. Now do you see the rumor why those two speeder bike pilots are Tag and Bink? I could absolutely see it. People are like, it's Tag and Bink. Like, the producers are like, no, it's really not. But but they have their mannerisms. Mm-hmm. Um, Just sitting there BSing on top of their speeder bikes and shooting like a rock. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Just like, I don't want to go down there. He hasn't moved for a while. <laughs> you just want to see him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah they're, they're, I don't want to give away anything, but I mean, there's one point where I really thought IG 11 was more than what he was. Mm-hmm. And that changed completely. There's something I will ask you about offline uh, for some clarification, but Disney plus is worth it just to watch this. Mm-hmm. I was just in awe of how well they did with the show and it's amazing it is like it is just an episode of take star wars from the movie theater and just throw it on your tv i mean the production value in itself is fantastic i mean they got so much i mean they took you don't even have to know that they're on tatooine to know that they're on tatooine like they got the set from the bar yeah they or they reproduced it perfectly they yeah i mean the streets the doors the the ships mm-hmm. when the tie fighter or the, not the well the tie fighters do show up but when the um when the x-wings showed up yeah and it was like oh my god it is star wars you know and that one threw me off because there's only three tie fighters so i'm like well, that's not a whole detachment you know yeah you're because you're so used to seeing it in the movie where it's like 20 of them mm-hmm. and it's just three of them and you could see how dangerous they were just yeah. three of them it's like this, and it was one of those where you want to watch it like during the day when you have time, so you can just go through as much of it as you can, because they leave every single episode just enough there where you want to, you're like, I got to see what happens in the next episode, and wow, mm-hmm. it, it was amazing. And you could play the game of what movie did this prop come out of right you know like hey there's that stick that was in the empire or the on the death star in the trash compactor there it is right there on the side it's right there and it's like i don't know like and they got some huge names in this mm-hmm. thing they got uh i can't think of the 
the main bad guy from Breaking Bad. Um, the guy that owns the chicken restaurant. Okay. I can't think what his name is. I never watched Breaking Bad. Sonya watched it all in like a couple of weeks. Yeah. And left me hanging there. My so my wife absolutely loves it. I thought this first season was great. And then after that, I was like, eh. Uh, <laughs> the last season was really good, but in the middle, I was just like, eh. Yeah. I could take it or leave it. But they had Nick Nolte as a voice character. I saw his name come up. I'm like, who in the hell did he play? Yeah. And so I'm on IMDb looking. I'm like, oh. And now when you look at the Ugnot, yeah. you'll, you'll see his face. Yeah. Yeah. After, after that, I mean, once you start, you know, um, the mechanic. when uh, Amy uh, Sedaris. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I know her. Why do I know her? And I'm like, oh, that's right. Yeah, strangers with candy. Yeah. Yeah. I, but you're so used to that goofy character and Carl Weathers. Yeah. And I mean, Carl Weathers, let's see, did he was in Predator. Didn't he do something with aliens too? He was in Rocky. Rocky. I mean, he, he's really, he was fantastic. And mm-hmm. I mean, he was Chubbs in, uh, Happy, <laughs> Happy Gilmore. Yeah. Yeah. But there is just so many tidbits just for the, for Star Wars fans to nerd out on. And I've mentioned it before. I've gotten away from being that Star Wars fan. I was the original three when they got re-released. And then I even got the card game that was like Magic the Gathering for a long time. So I even memorized those cards. So every time I watched it, I'm like, oh, that's that guy's name. And that's that guy's name. And that's that guy's name. You know. Mm-hmm. And the people around me were looking at me like, you're an idiot. Um, and I'm like, I'm okay with that. Right. And then I lost my passion for it when... Episode one, two, and three came. I just didn't feel that it was what it should have been mm-hmm. because they basically made the whole universe bright and shiny. And now, and then, if, then you watch the original three, and it's like, why isn't everything else bright and shiny for at least some parts of this, even if they're out on the outer rim? And it it just took it away from me. And well, just in the opening scene, where in the first movie. You see this huge, okay, we'll just call it New Hope, right? Yeah. And you see the Star Destroyer come over, and it's just gray and ominous. Yep. And then you go to episode one, and you get a pink freighter. And that, that's all you have to say, right yeah. there. Bam. Nice, clean, pink freighter compared to opening up with a Death Star, with a Star Destroyer. Right. And it's like, um, you kind of missed the mark. You know, and I give Marvel. Disney a lot of crap. I do. Um, especially Marvel. But what Disney did with relaunching the Star Wars run, and I know you're not a fan of all of them, and that's fine, but it did reignite my passion because the people that they had doing this and getting the original cast to come back, they did what was right for what Star Wars needed. Mm-hmm. to get people like Kirk and I excited again. And they what they did with Mandalorian, I'm just like, oh my gosh, this is, when's the next episode? It needs to be out now. No. Nope. Six months to a year. It's like Stranger Things. It's killing me. Just twiddling my thumbs, like, give me something else. Yep. And then they brought up the Jedi in the, in the last, like he's got to go find them. Yeah. It's oh. like, and you're like, what year is this? What year? What are you be talking about here? Because he was a kid mm-hmm. when the Empire was still around. So he's probably about the same age as Lou. Well, when I looked it up for timelines, because I was trying to figure out where this will fit into the timeline, they actually said Mandalorian's based about 40 years after Jedi. Okay. So. So, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, if he's in probably in his 50s. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, and then you got the, the black lightsaber at the end. Mm-hmm. And if you haven't watched Rebels, which I, I'm going to give Rebels some crap. Not for me. I haven't. I've heard great things about it. I've never watched it. I, again, it kind of goes back to it. Really takes something away watching a cartoon. Mm-hmm. You know, and that goes back to when droids and Ewoks were cartoons. Right. You know, I got excited about the Ewok television shows. I wish cartoon. those were on Disney, uh, but. <laughs> But the cartoons is just like, yeah. Yeah. And so, but I've heard great things about it. You're not a fan? No. Um, I was a huge fan of 
Clone Wars. Okay. The computer-generated one. The mm-hmm. Genny Tartakovsky one, or Getty, whatever his name is, was amazing. But then the computer-generated Clone Wars came out and blew the crap out of it. Like, you're just watching it, just the colors and the effects that they used. It was just like, holy crap. You know, you get to learn a bit more about Obi-Wan. You know, that he fell in love with the leader of the Mandalorians. And he was so into his role of a Jedi that he kind of forsaken. He almost forsaken the Jedi for her. Oh, wow. Okay. And... But of course he didn't. Right. But, you know, it's like this great story of like what happened to Yoda after he left the temple and you get to learn all that. And the Jar Jar ones you can leave. <laughs> you can just get rid of those. Who cares? Those are dumb. But the Obi-Wan ones are great. Hmm. I think those are in Z Plus too, so I'll have to check those. Mm-hmm. Go miss the first season. Okay. Who cares about the first season? Just go to like the last three. All right. It's great. Hmm. Um. Do I have anything? I did. I don't remember. You're really going to start writing that stuff down. I do, but <laughs> I watched the the trailer for Black Widow. Yeah. I don't know. We've seen so much hints at her origin story in the Marvel movies. I was like, do we really need the Red Guardian? It looks... The guy who plays him is going to be great. I mean, he's from Stranger Things. Yeah. But... Like I said, when I watched it, I've just... If you watch any other preview or, you know for those Marvel movies that are coming out and there's something that just kind of grabs you and you you get that excitement. Mm-hmm. And I did not get it with this. No. At all. I mean, they're, they're introducing the Taskmaster. Yeah. They didn't really introduce him that well in the... No, they did not. <laughs> and it was like, who's the guy with the shield? Why has he got a hockey mask on? I don't know. I, I kind of missed the skull face. Yeah. But you had to figure that they were going to do something... They had to do a little bit of an adjustment to it. Right. I mean, I, I know they got the technology for it, but they've got to make it their own a little bit. Yeah. But hopefully that's one of those characters that doesn't get adjusted in the comic book world. Hey, he looks like Casey movie. Jones now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I think that's going to be it. Yeah. Right. Um, Have fun. Read more comics. It's been Nick. And Ryan. And we'll talk to you guys next week. Bye. Oh, and if you like it, go ahead and subscribe to it. And leave us a comment on iTunes, because we're on iTunes now. And help us get the show out there, because we got a whole two downloads today. <laughs> so, <laughs> And if there's something you guys want us to re- review or whatever, let us know. We have no problem doing that either. We just, you know, right now we're just kind of picking what we feel is uh, good for us and what we enjoy. But uh, we always want to try something new. So if you're reading something and you're kind of tired of us getting down on these new comics, but you found something good. Let us know. We'll check it out. Yeah. And we'll rip it too. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, we'll give it a shot. I mean, cause you know, you walk into a comic shop and you're just like, I don't know that. I don't know that either. I don't want to read that. And the covers don't do you any good to try no. to sell it because it's just, we're going to put Deadpool on the cover because Deadpool sells. And then there's no Deadpool. It's like, well, what's the purpose of it? You know? Right. But so if you're reading something great, let us know. We'll take a look at it and give it a run and see what we think. All right, cool. Power Records presents The Mark of the Man-Wolf. The amazing Spider-Man has many friends, but Jonah Jameson, publisher of the powerful Daily Bugle, isn't one of them. What is this, Robertson? Be kind to criminals, day. Now, Jonah, all I said was we'd better be sure about our facts before we publicly condemn Spider-Man. If it turns out he is innocent... Innocent? Maybe you don't understand, Robertson. A man has been killed. A man who happened to be a good friend of mine. And I believe that wall-crawling menace is responsible. I know it. So get this, Robertson. Since I can't hire someone to bring that killer in, I intend to see justice done another way. By making the public demand his capture at once. I'm only your city editor, Jonah, but I think you're making a grave mistake. Wait a second, Robbie. We've got company. I'll talk to you later then, Jonah. Hi, Dad. Thought I'd drop by to pick you up for dinner. It's time you met my fiancée, Christine Saunders. Fiancé? Well, I must say, it's about time. Uh, we were finished, weren't we, Robbie? If you say so, Jonah. I don't believe I've had the pleasure. Sorry, Robbie. This is my son, John. John's just retired from astronautics. He was one of the last men to make a moonwalk. Son, this is Joe Robertson, my city editor. Glad to meet you, John. Same here, Mr. Robertson. Sorry we've got to rush off. Moments later, in the hall outside. Dad, will you... 
Would you excuse me a moment? I... I... John, are you all right, son? You're white as a sheet and you're trembling. I... I'm sorry, Dad. Got a touch of the flu. The flu? You'd better take care of yourself, John. Like I said, Dad, sorry. I've been under a strain. I'd better get home. Later this same evening, in a brownstone overlooking the Hudson River, a door opens, releasing a sliver of yellow light and the stumbling form of a young man. Nothing I can do. It's happening again. I'm changing. Changing. And in several seconds, we see before us a man-wolf. Whoever was present in this creature a moment ago is Now there is only an animal seeking someone. It runs through the darkness. Now and then it climbs and leaps from roof to roof as it hunts its quarry. And that quarry is man, one particular human. A head, the man-wolf thinks. The one I hunt is a head. One final leap, and he looks across at the human being he seeks. And in one sleep motion, the man-wolf leaps. What in the name of heaven? Who are you and what's the meaning of this? Do you realize who I am? The name is Jonah Jameson, my friend. And I'll have you know, J. Jonah Jameson is not the kind of man to be amused by some sort of infantile... I demand an explanation for this, this ridiculous costume. I'm warning you, I'm warning you. It is then, of course, that Jameson realizes the creature before him is not wearing a costume. And it is then, naturally, that J. Jonah Jameson becomes afraid. And by then, you see, it's already far too late. Good Lord in heaven! No! We hate to leave J. Jonah Jameson at a time like this. But a few minutes earlier, in another part of the city, Peter Parker, boy student, who is otherwise known as Spider-Man, is passing a newsstand. One glimpse of the Daily Bugle and... That does it. This time, Jameson's gone too far. The Spider-Man Menace, a new series by J. Jonah Jameson. Every time something happens in this town, Jameson blames me. According to Mr. Warren, Spider-Man should be hunted down like a mad dog. Innocent till proven guilty. Remember that, Jameson? That's supposed to be the way we live. Why don't you leave me alone, Jameson? Why don't you leave me alone? I've had it, Jameson. You want me guilty? You've got it. So you are menace, Jameson. You just better hope your insurance is paid up, buddy. Because, mister, you're going to need it. I never asked to be bitten by that blasted radioactive spider. But I was, JJJ. And I've tried to make the best of it. But you, you just won't see that, will you? Maybe after tonight you'll be a little saner, JJJ. Maybe after you get a taste of what my wedding can really do, you'll leave me alone. In some people, anger can burn for hours. But in others, it lasts only a minute or two. That's the way it is with Spider-Man, sometimes. Luckily for J. Jonah Jameson, this is one of those times. By coincidence, Spider-Man seems to have arrived at Jameson's apartment just at the right moment. Now, that's a kick in the head. Either Jameson's taken to keeping pets or... Or I just saw a werewolf. Spider-Man, you're in this too. In case you had murdered, Williams, I just saved your life. Say, Jonah, I didn't think you were so lovable. I'd say White Fang here had a grudge against you. Think about it, Jameson. Have you insulted any real wolves lately? They don't scare me a bit. I've been spoiling for a good fight, and it's about time I... Our hero isn't faring too well. Look out, Spider-Man. Look out! Spider-Man, unconscious. It wouldn't be fair to call Jonah Jameson a coward. But at this moment, he is frightened halfway to death. But not frightened enough to resist a snarling man-wolf. What? What do you want with me? Why me? I... I've never done anything to you. Never attacked... attacked you. Why did... did you pick me? As though an answer, the man-wolf backs off. And Jameson's eyes draw down, and he sees what he has not seen before. Man stares at Wolf, and Wolf stares in turn, and something passes between the two. A wordless communication, a plea for help. Then, without another sound, the man-wolf springs from the window, leaving behind him one very quiet, middle-aged entrepreneur and a slowly stirring Spider-Man. Jonah, what happened to tall, dark, and hairy? Don't tell me you beat them all by your lonesome. It's out. We'll have to put you up against a heavyweight chain. Say, what's the deal, Jameson? Where are those snappy comebacks? You're not going after him, Spider-Man. I won't allow it. You won't what? 
after that character tried to kill you? That doesn't matter. It's not important. If you attack him, I'll make you pay, you wall-crawling menace. Look, I'm not your biggest fan, but that monster... Spider-Man, I swear to you, if you move one muscle against that creature, I'll report this as an attempt on my life by you. Am I clear? Loud and clear. Next time, remind me not to play Good Samaritan. Some people have a weird sense of gratitude. Grateful? How can I be grateful to the man I hate most in the world? How can I be grateful when the mad killer he saved me from is my son? Hours pass. The man-wolf leaps and lunges from roof to roof, searching. It can sense its prey. It seems like no other the man-wolf has ever sought. The one who attacked me, who sought to kill me, he is there. The one who must die. Funny. He started this evening all knotted up. Now I, I feel kind of loose. It was a fight with the man-wolf. Somehow it released all my tensions, worked out all my anger. Almost. I can dig the world. You spoke too soon, Spider-Man. Too soon. Oh, no, not the man-wolf again. What are you doing here? If you're looking for a fight, look out. You're pushing us over the edge. We're going to fall. But then, as our puzzled hero chances to glance down at his struggling assailant. Wait a minute. I see the door. But where? I can't remember where. Whoops! I blew it. I lost my attention, my grip, and next on the list is my life. But a new element is added to the picture. The moon. It's setting. And you are due for a transformation. Just as I thought. he isn't aware of it. Our hero is on the right track, and so is a certain publisher. This is my son's apartment. All I can do is pray that I'm wrong. John? Son, are you there? Blasted boy, answer me! Oh, dear Lord, that costume. I'd recognize it anywhere. It's true, then. My son is a man-wolf. John! John, wake up! I demand an explanation at once! Dad... Is that you? Of course it's me, John. And I'm alone. Now, will you tell me what's happened to you? What sort of insanity? I wish I were insane, Dad. It'd be easier to accept than this. For a moment, Jonah J. Jameson stares at the man he calls his son. And when he speaks again, his voice is softer. Tell me, John. Please. I want to help. If only you could. There's nothing you or anyone can do. This is my nightmare. I've got to get out of it myself... Just as I got into it, all by myself. It all started six months ago at Cape Canaveral with the takeoff of a special unscheduled moon flight. It was the same thing as the public flight every day. Suddenly I feel tired, exhausted. Mustn't be getting enough sleep. Either that or it's this blasted night driving. It wasn't the night driving. It was the moon. The sudden light touched me. I glanced up, and it was then that it began. The pendant glowing. Something about the moon. Lord in heaven, what's happening to me? 
Every month since then, I've been transformed. And to date, none of my efforts to stop that transformation have succeeded. Not even the radiation suit I had made to cut out the lunar rays. The first time I wore it, last night, the suit came apart. Just like my chances to see this madness through alive. Don't talk like that, son. It's obvious you haven't thought this out at all. Why not just take off the pendant? Don't you think I thought of that, Dad? I have tried to remove the stone, but it's too late. It's grafted itself to my skin, permanently. Seven hours have passed. Seven hours? And now it's time to get on the trail of the man-wolf. In another part of the city, at that certain brownstone, we find... It's not like John to ignore a date. I hope he isn't sick. He has been acting oddly these past few weeks. Hmm, that's funny. And I can hear the bell ringing upstairs. And if that isn't John up in the window, I need glasses. He wants to pretend I'm not here? All right, I'm not here. And upstairs. Now it's your turn, Dad. Better leave. Something changes in me when I become that thing. I want to hurt the people I love, like Christine, and like you. Now, son, if you're trying to tell me the reason you attacked me was to kill me, that's utter nonsense. You wanted my help, don't you see that, John? And you, you couldn't stop yourself, your animal self, from, from... <laughs> Meanwhile, a few blocks away, Spider-Man starts on his moonlight journey. Hurry, Spider-Man, hurry! Great, what a good night's sleep can do. I almost feel like myself again. Was going through my mind. A pendant. A pendant. Hey, wait a minute. My subconscious must have been working overtime because it just put two and two together and came up with four. That costume the man wolf was wearing. It wasn't fabric, it was some sort of insulation material, the kind used on spacesuits for astronauts. And it just hit me who I know that has an astronaut's son. And who was attacked by a werewolf in astronaut clothing? J. Jonah Jameson. A quick glance in the Manhattan telephone directory tells our hero what he needs to know, and so... Maybe I'll have some good luck for a change. Bingo! Looks like I've hit the jackpot. It's the man-wolf. Here we go again, Wolfie. This time, I have a theory to try out. It's my guess that pendant is what's making you a werewolf. And so it has to come off. Even if I have to... Spider-Man, what's happening to him? He's... he's changing. Dear Lord, I didn't realize the pendant had grafted itself onto his skin. The transformation begins, and the identity of the monster becomes apparent, all too painfully apparent. John, son, are you all right? He's just fine, Jameson, now that this thing's off him. Better get him a doctor, though, fast. Doctor? The publicity. Publicity? Your son's life was at stake, not to mention the lives of people he might have killed. Let's hope we stopped him in time. Johnny, are you okay? Mr. Jameson, is he okay? Answer her, Jameson. Tell her everything's real swell. Maybe someday you'll even begin to believe it yourself. Spider-Man, wait! I... Save it for the papers, Jonah. Save it for tomorrow. And so ends another adventure of the amazing Spider-Man. Spider-Man.